Welcome everybody to a special edition of the Lakers Lounge. Uh, we had some some dropouts from this one. My wife is probably going to divorce me because I'm recording this on our anniversary. <laughs> but if I was to tell Jen, if I was to tell if I was to tell the divorce court lawyer, hey, look, this is the day that we had in the NBA. First, Chris Paul tests positive for COVID. Then Kawhi Leonard potentially tears his ACL. Then Mike Conley says he suffered a setback and trying to come back too soon. And he's uh, still out in their series. Then Stan Van Gundy gets fired in New Orleans. Scott Brooks uh, couldn't come to a contract extension agreement with the Wizards. So he is out in D.C. Then Donnie Nelson is out in Dallas after seems like he leaked the story about Haralabob, who is also out <laughs> in Dallas. And then and then uh, LaMelo Ball uh, to, to, to be the, the nice positive cherry on top of the day wins rookie of the year. Today, I'm joined by Jacob Rude, who I think is going to provide unique insight on the Stan Van Gundy firing and on LaMelo Ball winning rookie of the year. Uh, but for the most part, we're going to try to wrap our heads around all of what is one of the most shit showy days in recent NBA <laughs> history. <laughs> shit showy. Do you like that? That's a technical term. It's yeah, an I'm industry gonna, term. <laughs> I'm going to write that down to look up, see what the exact definition is. It may just be June 16th NBA. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, yeah. I mean, in reality, it was just a whole bunch of things that were like kind of culminating for a while. And then everything just happened on the exact same day within, it felt like within like, three or four hours like literally all hell broke loose and i think you could you could see the collective idea bubble all the over all of the various organizations throughout the nba one cp3 test positive that's going to be the big headline right and then and then they were fortunate enough those other organizations to get Kawhi leonard potentially tearing his acl so the the most pressing news of the day was is going to be those two superstars joining the the ever extending list of superstars who have missed time in this absolute garbage fire of a postseason. Uh, so I felt like you could see the collective idea bubble over all of these organizations that were getting ready to make some of this news anyway. They were like, "Oh, well, we were going to get talked about." <laughs> it's like the. Uh the gif from the office where everybody's rushing out the door go 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 it's happening it's happening happening. (laughs) everybody everybody release all your news right now exactly exactly except dallas miscalculated because of course we're gonna laugh at that entire situation so um let's start though i want to start actually with the stan van gundy firing because that actually does have a definitive you know tangible tie back to the lakers kid is going to be a potential candidate shocking (laughs) <laughs> Shocking news to find out that Jason Kidd is a candidate uh, for a head coaching gig. It, it's really weird. And and look, there is some stuff that might never get reported or whatever on what happened with Kidd in Portland and with Damian Lillard. But until I can I can confirm that stuff myself, I'm not going to touch it. But just know that if if it smells a little fishy to you. Uh, it's because that fish has been sitting outside now for a few weeks in in this crazy Texas heat that we've been we've been experiencing. But but I I, I want to start with the Stan Van Gundy firing uh, because of the kid tie-in, and and also because you paid really close attention uh, to the New Orleans Pelicans this year, covering Lonzo Ball and covering Lam- uh, Lamella Ball for uh, Lonzo Wire, 
And, and you said that this surprised you. Yeah. I mean, I will say it surprised me until listening to David Griffin's press conference, which we'll, we'll kind of get to, but um, it surprised me because this season, I wouldn't really put at the feet of Stan Van Gundy. Um, he had a pretty flawed roster. Um, and then with the COVID stuff and everything like stack was decked or the deck was stacked against him. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so Back I was I mean, decking somebody also. Makes yeah. Sense yes, mm-hmm. very much so. Uh, it's certainly not to say he's without blame. Like there were a couple different times where he, it was just like, what are you doing type of stuff? Like I, I remember after the Knicks game, which legitimately the Pelicans literally were for, forgot to foul up three Eric Bledsoe did. And then Lonzo for whatever reason helped off. And it was just a, it was shit showy. And uh, <laughs> he literally came out after the game and said, high school players don't even make that mistake. And it's like, you can't say that, which leads credence to um, the, the disconnect. Some, yeah. It, some of the reports that they, mm-hmm. the players weren't, I think weren't vibing with him was, was the wording used. So um but at the same time, I mean, he was the only only coaching candidate last offseason, David Griffin said, uh, prior to today, that broached the idea of Point Zion, which seems to be the future of what Zion's going to be. Like, that was incredible this year. So um, there was some good, there was some bad. Um, but, yeah, then you listen to, to David Griffin's press conference, and that man has lots of faults. He can – win a press conference like nobody else and i i tweeted afterwards i sat there for 30 minutes that man talked got emotional thought he was going to cry at one point said a lot of things alluded to a lot of things and i still have absolutely no idea why they fired stan van gundy (laughs) so i mean like it's it's very bizarre but ultimately he was kind of alluding to a lot of the things that were I, I don't think the players really were buying in to what he was selling. And if you don't have that, you might as well cut cut ties early than too late. Did he take any accountability for some of the flaws on the roster? Because that was the thing that bothered oh, me Lord, the most no. <laughs> with, with uh, O'Shea, right? Neil O'Shea, after, after they parted ways with Terry Stotts, went out there and said that it was Terry Stotts' fault that Ennis Kanter wasn't a good defensive player. And it's like, my dude... <laughs> At some point here, you know, you can't you can't piss on everybody's heads and call it rain. And yeah. and you know, you look at you look at that roster, and I think heading into the year, there were scenarios that maybe some of those pieces might fit and all that. But it was also like the Milwaukee Bucks uh improved in large part because Eric Bledsoe uh yeah. became Drew Holiday. And yeah. and and oddly enough. The team that Eric Bledsoe went to got way worse when Drew Holiday became Eric Bledsoe. <laughs> it's weird. Uh, weird how that works out. <laughs> stunning. Who could have honestly predicted that? Um, <laughs> I, I I immediately said no. He didn't today. Uh, I will say in his exit interview, David Griffin did take some blame. But it was stuff like he was like, yeah, we just didn't put a priority on shooting. And we really learned our lesson there. And it's like why on earth would you not like you had, you knew what you had with Zion and Ingram and like, you knew you needed to surround them with shooting. And it's like, 
Ingram was the team's best three-point shooter at 38%. Lonzo was yeah. 37%, and nobody else was above league average on that roster. So, I yeah, I mean, it, there were there were a lot of issues with that team. Griffin did, on the exit interview, kind of take some blame for it, but he certainly didn't today. Yeah. Um, so, it's a mess of a situation. And it's like, somebody straight up asked him about it today, which I was impressed with. This is Zion's third coach in three years. Yeah. This will be Lonzo, Ingram, and Josh Hart, regardless of what happens in free agency, will be their fourth coach in four mm-hmm. years. So unless unless Stan Van Gundy gets hired somewhere else and they go play for Stan Van Gundy. Or technically if Lonzo or Josh Hart go to Sacramento, which I don't imagine oh, is yeah, going to happen. Yeah. But um <laughs> yeah, there I mean it, he kind of talked a bit about like continuity and whatnot. And it's like, I mean, maybe within the roster, but you can't keep just bringing in head coaches and um shipping them off after a year or two and i mean again i wish i i should have written down the reporter who asked but i mean somebody said like chris paul left at the earliest possible moment anthony davis left at the earliest possible moment is zion Zion. yeah is it like a ticking clock basically with zion and obviously griffin said no but i mean it is like he's not gonna admit it but it is so yeah there's there's whispers about him potentially taking the qualifying offer. Like you yeah. don't have to do, I don't have to go out there with a crazy shovel out there. Like I could just move some dirt around and up pops a whisper about Zion Williamson potentially taking a, a qualifying offer. And, and I don't, I don't think he would go that route. I think he would probably, it would m- look a lot more similarly to other young players who forced their way out of situations that they got sick of. It's just, you know, I think I think this is something that uh, the Lakers learned over the course of their rebuild through youth. I think a lot of these organizations learn through their rebuilds through youth is that if if you're going to make your decisions solely based off of what's going to keep our young superstar happy, well, the thing about young people is they're they're happy, <laughs> unhappy, but <laughs> based on yeah. based on what they look like at any given time over the course of the day. Like that's that's not something that I think is a particularly viable strategy, even while I acknowledge that's kind of sort of what you have to do. It's just, you know, like you said, you 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 make an excellent point and you bring up a great example of Stan Van Gundy coming up with this fairly revolutionary. Uh, idea of Zion Williamson playing point guard. That is something that's going to unlock his game, did unlock his game over the course of the season. And yet, nah, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Like, I got, you know, I, that would be maddening if I was running a team where, where, Hey, here's this guy. And, and granted, like, I'm not, I'm not saying that Stan Van Gundy uh, is the best coach to get his message across to players at any given moment like that we aren't i'm not i'm not i didn't pay nearly as uh, enough attention to go that far and play place all the blame on these damn young whippersnappers i i <laughs> i you know i what i what i will say though is that this situation that that the the pelicans find themselves themselves at and the situations that other franchises have found themselves at in regards to young superstars and the decisions that that organizations make that you kind of look back on and say that was kind of a weird decision a lot of times it's kind of it's kind of because their hands were forced 
Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting now to see how they what they do moving forward. He, I mean, Griffin said he wasn't going to include Lonzo or not Lonzo, excuse me, Zion or Ingram in this head coaching search. Uh, he said it wasn't fair to them, which to a certain extent I get. They're younger, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I honestly thought maybe one of the best moves to make was to promote Teresa Weatherspoon. Mm-hmm. She was an assistant last year, and Griffin flat out said that talks of her being a head coach are premature. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, they're going to circle back on some of the candidates from last season, and Jason Kidd was one last season as well. So I imagine he's going to get some type of interest again this year. This is a it's a very interesting situation now because um, you have a pretty flawed roster that needs a complete makeover. And you have, I mean, Lonzo was pretty important to that team. He's a restricted free agent. You still have Zion and Ingram who haven't really figured out how to mesh together yet. And now you're going to be asking a new coach to come in as the third coach in three years. So that's a, it's kind of a messy situation in new Orleans right now, which I'm sure Laker fans will love. Well, I mean, I, I I've kind of sort of moved on from, from yeah. a lot of that stuff, just cause the Lakers won their championship. The Pelicans do have a fun young core and all of that stuff. And, and maybe they hire the right coach and that young core really takes off. But, but yeah, I mean, some of the people covering the team, covering a shit show is is, is kind of fun to me. I'm I'm not yes. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> There's some Schadenfreude today for sure. Yeah. Uh let's let's move on to uh the players that are, are now out for the foreseeable future in the postseason. LeBron actually went on a, a Twitter rant about this. I'll pull that up as well at some point. But but Chris Paul tests positive for COVID. Kawhi Leonard, uh they were able to Justin Russo, our friend Justin Russo was able to find the play that he kind of tweaked his knee and sat out the remaining four minutes or so of that game. He might be out for the remainder of the postseason. And then Mike Conley suffered a setback. He said he admitted that he suffered a setback trying to come back too soon for Utah. And, and I just keep coming back to, yes, the NBA uh, Players Union did – agree to this season and and the format of it and the shortened uh off season and then the cramped second half of the year to be able to get to the to the olympics and then to be able to fully reset and get back to a traditional nba season as soon as next year yes that is something that they agreed to uh i i still would wonder without casting any kind of criticism i would wonder if i could sit Adam Silver and I could sit Chris Paul and the rest of the players, Michelle Roberts, if I could sit them in a room, inject them with true serum and have them answer, Hey, would you like a, would you like a mulligan on those, on that decision (laughs) and on that path? I wonder what they would say. I'm not even saying that they would definitively say yes, because there is a ton of money that was, that was made this year and will be made next year by getting back to a traditional uh, regular season. Well, was it worth it? Was it worth potentially having Kawhi miss some of next year? We know that Jamal Murray is going to miss some of next year. Uh, we don't know, you know, how LeBron James is going to to heal is going to heal at 37, uh, heading into next year, coming off of a high high ankle high ankle sprain. Everybody involved is going to have a shortened off season this this summer 
because they're trying to get back and resume play in October. And I just, I, I, you know, based off of that, there, you might be, you, you know, they might be inclined to say, no, I, we stand by our decision, but I would love to ask them. I would love somebody to ask them, Rachel Nichols, get, get Adam Silver on the jump again and ask him the question and actually kind of, prod, you know, push him a little bit, push him and prod him. She's great at that stuff. Even with uh, corporate partners that the, that ESPN has, she's great at asking those kinds of questions. It would be nice to see her ask them. Yeah, it's, I would imagine Adam Silver answer probably wouldn't change. Um, maybe the players feel differently now, kind of seeing the toll it's taken. Um, I mean, I know LeBron took some flack for his Twitter rant today. Um, I mean, there is a bit of a selfish side to what he said because it was a lot, a lot of listen to me, I told you so type of stuff. But, I mean, there is some truth to it. Like, these guys are getting hurt and we didn't need to do this. Um, the people that needed to do this were the ones who were going to be losing millions of dollars, the owners, the league, so on and so forth. I mean, the mo a vast majority of the players' contracts were guaranteed regardless of how much money the league made. Um, and I know there's more to it than that, but still it's, I mean, I feel like this is almost a weekly thing at this point to, get on a podcast and talk about which superstars daily dude yeah, it's, i think it's like after every game somebody does something really cool it's like the the milkshake duck but with injuries like, we're just, <laughs> like somebody does something super awesome and up oh, we just found out yeah he, he pulled his hamstring play, making that play you know maybe that's maybe that's maybe that's the cost of this season and like kevin durant going absolutely insane last night meant a lot of things had to happen today to <laughs> to offset that but <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, you're not wrong, especially at this point in the playoffs. It feels like daily, yeah, that people have to get on a podcast and talk about uh, what impact X player being out has now. Um, so he, and here's the here's the thread from LeBron. I was able to find it. Um, shouts to, I think, Christian put it together. Yep, way to go, Christian. Um, LeBron James uh, at King James, they all didn't want to listen to me about the start of the season. I knew exactly what would happen. I only wanted to protect the well-being of the players, which ultimately is a product and benefit of our game. These injuries isn't just part of the game. It's the lack of pure rim rest, uh, rest before starting back up. Eight, possibly nine all-stars missed playoff games, most in league history. This is the best time of the year for our league and fans, but missing a ton of our fave players. It's insane. If there's one person that know about the body and know how it works all year round, it's me speak for the health of our players. And I hate to see this many injuries this time of year. Sorry, fans wish you guys were seeing all your fave guys right now. Um, and then, and then he added to it. And I know all about the business side too slash factors. So don't even try me. I get it. Uh, isn't, isn't LeBron, VP or is he no longer VP of the players union? Uh, he was, I thought he still was. Um, I, I can pull it up real quick, but I think the part that um, he, the part of that, that I think sticks out the most to me is when he said, this is the kind of the time of year where basically everybody's paying attention to the NBA. And he is not, he is not. Yeah. Iguodala replaced LeBron. Uh, back in February of 2019. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I just had it pulled up too. But um, this is basically the time of year to showcase the NBA and the product. And 
it's the playoffs. It's the games are mattering more and more, more and pe- more people are tuning in and all of the stars are just falling by the wayside. And so that part, I, I agree with like at this point, at this point, like, especially in the West, I don't even know, like there's hardly any stars left, like with all due respects to who's left, like who, the team's left. But I mean, like you've lost so many people um, throughout this process that I, I mean, it almost feels like at this point, the healthiest team left is going to win. Oh, yeah. And not even necessarily the best team. Well, and that's, it's been funny. One of the arguments that I've been seeing, mostly, honestly, from people who don't, aren't, aren't people who I would associate with NBA analysis is how I'll put it, right? People who like play different sports or, or cover different sports and then gave their take on the NBA. But one of the takes that I saw over the course of the day, especially today, uh, because of the CP3 news, because of the Kawhi Leonard news, was, well, hey, we always complain that the same few NBA teams win championships year in, year out. This is finally what it would look like to get some parity. And it's like, if you have to literally sacrifice players... yeah at the altar of parody, that's no longer parody. That's just no. human annihilation. That's not, you know, if we it, look there, there are, there are points to be made in regards to, Hey, we should maybe look at, you know, the, how easy it is for players to force their way out of situations or sandbag while they are in situations that they aren't necessarily thrilled with high Blake Griffin. And, and, <laughs> you know, and there, there, there's, there's, there are a lot of fans out there who root for smaller markets who might say, Hey, this is bullshit. I don't want to feel like I'm, I, I will never see the favorite, my favorite NBA team win a championship because five years into these guys careers, as they're approaching their primes, they're looking to go find a, a buddy to team up with in a major city that I completely understand. I understand the gripe and I understand how that isn't great for the league as a whole. That said, now isn't the time to bring that up because <laughs> what I what we what we shouldn't be rooting for is the kind of chaos that you know or or the the parody that results from this kind of chaos. I'm cool with the, the parody that results from the kind of chaos that you see in an NFL season where holy crap, the Tennessee Titans took a leap that nobody really saw coming. Holy crap, uh, you know, uh Tyler Murray is three years ahead of, of time in, in regards to how well he can play the position. Same goes for, for any number of young quarterbacks at, in their first contracts. That's fine for me. That means that the sport is taking steps forward and those guys are putting the, the organizations that they're playing for in positions to win because of their own growth in the sport. But this isn't, this isn't that. This isn't close to that. Um, and, 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 you know, I, I, think, I think, you know, the, the, the other thing that, uh, I'm I'm kind of curious about here with with LeBron specifically, is he he's right, and mm-hmm. and if every if everybody like <laughs> if everybody like I understand no matter what LeBron says it's going to be it's going to be take artist fodder it's going to be something that starts first take in the morning and and Skip Bayless is 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 all the happiest to to pile on LeBron when he has bad public moments, but, but with this season 
And I understand that there, there's no way to prove a direct correlation between this season and all of the injuries that guys suffered over the course of it. I'm that's fine if you want to go there, but I'm also not comfortable completely separating this season from those injuries. Like it, it's somewhere in the middle. It did. It didn't completely cause all of these guys hamstrings to pull all at the same time, but it also, by the way, might've played a small factor. How big a factor we'll never really know. Yeah. Parity as a result of injury is not parity. That's yeah, just like just injuries. Yeah. Yeah. That's literally parity. Isn't even a word that you can use there. Um, and the, scary part i guess is that this is to some extent going to probably happen again next season because it's going to be another short off season Mm -hmm. and there's also going to be potentially the olympics thrown in there and you already had guys i know i think damian lillard and draymond green already said that they're going to play in the olympics Mm -hmm. and what's like it's prime tampering Yes, 100%. That's always always what the Olympics end up being. But um, need somebody from the Lakers to go out and play there just just to get in on those conversations. What's up? uh, KCP, you can go out there and play. Um, (laughs) But, I mean, yeah, it's going to happen again. And I hope we're not having the same type of conversation around this time next year. Um, I don't – I – without making a lot of the same points I've made in the past, like I just, it feels like there wasn't an impetus put on player safety. And I mean, Baxter Holmes had the piece, I believe last week where he said the soft tissue injuries were up this season. And Mm -hmm. a a lot of the injuries to kind of the all-star type of players were up. And I mean, again, I don't know how much you can directly tie that to this season, but I don't think it's a coincidence. No. I don't, I don't think so either. When do you think LeBron was more upset with Chris Paul when this year's schedule came out or when Chris Paul tried to yank his shoulder out of his socket? I, I was going to say probably when he tried to yank his shoulder out of the <laughs> socket, because like what two quarters prior, he had like Chris kissed Chris Paul on the forehead. Cause it looked like he had really badly injured his shoulder. And then Chris <laughs> Paul comes on the court and tries to rip his shoulder up. Yeah. Instead of an eye for an eye, it's a shoulder for a shoulder. I guess so. Even though like LeBron wasn't involved, like that was Chris Paul's own teammate who hit him in the shoulder. Chris Paul was like, well, fine. If I'm going to have one, you're going to have friendly fire, whatever. I don't care. You're next. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap up on, on what I think is the craziest story uh, of the off season so far. So Tim Cato and Sam Amick of the athletic reported that Haralabob or Bob Volgaris is, is, uh, has been too loud a voice in the Dallas Mavericks organization. Luka Doncic is not thrilled with the role that he is playing, whether it's in regards to personnel that is being acquired or, or let go or rotation decisions, lineup decisions that, that Bob Volgaris is, is uh, has overstepped his uh, boundaries. There is, is his welcome in that regard. Uh, Mark Cuban quote tweeted Tim Cato and Sam Hammock's article and sent it out to all 8.4 million of his followers by calling it complete bullshit. And then uh, (laughs) earlier today, Donnie Nelson was uh, let go. And then Kevin O'Connor reported that Bob Volgaris is, is also on his way out of the organization as well, which look, 
you're you're a journalist. I'm I pretend to be one on TV, and and obviously like Harrison is somebody who cares I think more deeply about journalism than than I will care about damn near anything. Um, <laughs> and so, but but he made the point Harrison did, and this was something that I was thinking at the time that for some reason nowadays if if especially a popular player or executive or coach, what have you, if they come out really loudly against a report, it's usually seen as, Oh, Kevin Durant dunked on Jay Williams. Oh, you know? And it's like, well, (laughs) yeah. Kevin Durant is also capable of lying. And then, and then, so this was, this was, uh, you know, one of my thoughts when, when Mark Cuban came out as strongly against the reporting done by Cato and Amic, where, where I'm not, I'm not definitively saying that Cato and Amic have it completely right. I'm not saying that their sources who seem to be uh, Donnie Nelson um, <laughs> might not have had an ax to grind in some of the leaks that he was, that he was throwing out there. I'm not saying that, but I'm also not willing to once Mark Cuban calls a report total boosh, bullshit say like oh, well yeah we got to ignore it now, you know. If anything, remember when we were kids and you were accused of liking a girl, <laughs> yeah. And, and and if you had a crush on that girl, your response was normally no, no, uh. No way. Whereas like if you were accused of having a crush on a girl that you didn't, you were just like, nah, no, no, sorry. You know, and like the, the overcompensation is what to, to me was, has been the story in, in all of this all along. And I hope people learn from it. Yeah. I mean, honestly, my first thought, I haven't got a chance to read the initial piece. I've been moving the last two days, um, but nice timing. Yeah. Yeah. Really <laughs> that, shout out to the NBA really couldn't have picked a better time to just, go shit showy um is when i saw cuban quote tweet it without even having read the story yet i was like oh well that's this is true then like you don't come out as adamantly against that as he did and yeah like there's not truth to it so like when he said that i was like well that leads some credence to the story i really need to read it now so (laughs) um that was my reaction seeing that and then i mean my reaction today was well, clearly Don Nelson was the source because he's gone. He probably saw the writing on the wall and just said, F it, we're going we're gonna to burn this down on the way out. Um, <laughs> especially for somebody, he'd been there 20 some odd years now. Um, so, he's, he's actually been with the Dallas Mavericks longer than Mark Cuban. Wow. Yeah. When you put it like that, yeah, I didn't think of that. So um, he certainly probably didn't go out uh very nicely as we can as we can see <laughs> and then uh yeah i mean if anybody in the league right now is shit showy it's the mavericks right now that's a mess because this is all tied into luca just not being ready to commit to the franchise or not wanting to commit to the franchise and like man this is this is the next guy like this is yeah. the face of the well, future one of that, them for sure yeah, of the future of the NBA. Like, you can't screw this up. So uh, I don't want to give credit to Cuban for firing everybody because he got it. He was responsible for it getting to that point. But, I mean, 
cleaning house is hilarious. But there was like a brief time today where I was losing my mind laughing because Don Nelson had been fired and they hadn't said anything about Haralabob yet. And I legitimately thought, oh my God, they're going to give a degenerate gambler like full control of this front office because I don't follow him anymore. I did for a brief time for Alibaba, but it's also hilarious. I went and looked at his timeline while you were talking. Yeah, he's not great. All, well, also all he's tweeted for like the last three days is about crypto. <laughs> like just, <laughs> just ignoring that literally everything else is going on and it's all burning down. He's just over here tweeting about the stability of Bitcoin and whatnot. So um I mean, that kind of sums up how much of a mess the Mavs front office is right now. But yeah, man, that I was that was mainly just a laughing moment for me today because in reality, the Mavs should be just in a great place um, and they are far from it right now. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Look, Haralabob is is great when it comes to gambling. Like that is that is yes. his you know, that is what he, that was what he was put on earth to do was gamble on sports or gamble just in general. Right. Um, and kudos to him for being really good at that. The problem with hiring a gambler though, even, even aside from like the cliches of, Oh yeah, this guy is going to go for broke or, or anything like that because he's addicted to the, to the hustle. But, but the thing with gambling is that you aren't competing with your fellow gambler. Like if I, if you and I, both make a bet on the Lakers to beat the Mavericks. It's not like however much you put down really greatly affects my ability to win a, that bet as well. Right. Like that's, that's not how that that works. You're, you're competing against a bookie and, and, and the vast majority of people take immense losses against the bookies because they're really good at what they do. But when you, when you think that that's going to carry over to, uh, running to sit, running a basketball organizations or making a basketball, making basketball decisions against teams that are directly competing with you. That's where, that's where you're, you're kind of, you're gambling, you know, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, you're hoping that that skill set carries over, but there's no guarantee. There was never any guarantee that that was actually going to be the case. And then, and then you add on top of that, you know, and just in kind of talking to people or whatever, it turns out his, uh, his persona in person is very similar to his per- his online persona <laughs> and and he's not the most agreeable online person and and so when you lack people skills and that skill set doesn't necessarily carry over then you run into the problems that that they've seen so far my my other point here in tying it back to the lakers and i was one of the people by the way who was really on board you know, bringing in an outsider, bringing in whether it was Bob Myers, whether it was Masai Ujiri, wh- whoever, whoever the, the shadow executive uh, <laughs> might have been back back when the Lakers did so. And and I think the one thing that this Maverick situation kind of tells you is that you can bring in talent like you can you can bring in and th- this can be applied to the Lakers roster last year, too you can bring in very talented people, but there's no guarantee that they're actually going to mesh. There's no guarantee that they're actually going to come together and sacrifice and do the things necessary to be a part of the team. And I don't know nearly enough about the situation in Dallas to speak on any of that definitively, but it sounds to me like that's what kind of happened here 
where Bob Volgaris is an immensely talented person, an immensely smart, much smarter than I will ever be, ever. Uh, but that talent might have potentially gotten in the way of having any kind of people skills. And, and that rubbed, in this case, Donnie Nelson the wrong way. And, and you know, maybe, maybe it works out. Maybe the Lakers bring in Masai Ujiri and he comes in and he understands, quote unquote, what it means to be a Laker. And everything is hunky-dory, right? And the Lakers are, are, are great. But there's also a potential scenario there where they bring in that outsider. The outsider doesn't quite understand how things are done with the Lakers. And there's that butting heads period. You can move past that period. You can grow and you can understand how to work together. But that's, you know, there, there is going to be that kind of, that, that, that opposite of a honeymoon period. And I think that's kind of what we saw here with, with Bob Volgaris in Dallas. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you nailed everything that I was going to say about it perfectly. The, the only thing, I mean, this is switching topics a bit, but the only thing I would add is that I feel really bad for Hornets fans today because like this was going, LaMelo being named rookie of the year was going to be uh, on most any other day, what would kind of dominate the news cycle a bit. And um, we just talked for 40 minutes or so and, like, didn't even mention LaMelo yet. So, like, and I I saw this morning uh, <laughs> when all this was – all this news was breaking this morning, Sasha afternoon, that Hornets fans had just kind of accepted um, that today was going to be the day that LaMelo was going to be named MVP. That's and, amazing. Or and that, rookie of the year, rookie of the year or yeah, excuse me, rookie of the year, and that nobody was really going to care, which unfortunately is exactly what happened. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's also annoying because it's been, I don't know when the playing game was at this point. It's been about a month. And at any point, they could have announced rookie of the year. <laughs> and today, of all days, like, if you know a Hornets fan, send send some thoughts and prayers <laughs> their way today because – uh any other day this would be like a celebration of their franchise and whatnot and today it's just like oh yeah by the way we should mention before the podcast <laughs> ends that Lamella won rookie of the year it's kind of like in in harry potter in the fourth book after cedric diggory dies right and then the 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 um the minister of magic hands harry potter this bag of gold that he doesn't want that he just like yeah. <laughs> you know it's like everybody's like huge tire fire everything that's going on over here and then oh yeah by the way here you go i kind of wonder if it was ever possible for them to you know push back the announcement just hold off on it until tomorrow and 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 maybe hope for fewer <laughs> fewer <laughs> breaking news stories but but you know given look jake jake fisher just said it a couple days ago on my show that he thinks this offseason and a lot of people around the league think this offseason is going to be a really busy one. This would sing <laughs> this would seem to signal that uh the, the today's uh shit showy day. Um all right. That's gonna do it for this episode of the Lakers Lounge special episode. That this this is not going to stop Harrison and myself uh from getting together later in the week. There's gonna be a second Lakers Lounge. There's some moving around uh across the uh Silver Spoon and Roll feed, and there's some moving around the entire SB Nation uh, kind of family. So we're gonna we're gonna figure all of that out and 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 try to you know build this car while it's running. 
Have a great rest of your day, and we will talk to you guys shit in a couple days. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Jacob. Uh, Billy just lost. <laughs>